Ciao, mamas. Welcome to the Outlets of Joy podcast. I am your half Italian host, Christina Stevenson. I am a meal creator, food coach, and mom to three shin kickers. If you are a mom who wants to know how to ditch prepackaged food and cook with ingredients you can pronounce, you are in the right place. I love talking about healthy food and how you can create healthy meals for your family in about 30 minutes without opening a frozen package of dino nuggets. Also, if you are a mom who struggles with being a mom, you are in the right place again. I don't enjoy being a mom and I love my kids. I needed a safe place to put that and I found one right here on my podcast. I was tired of feeling depressed, anxious, and unfulfilled with motherhood. And one day I decided that I had had enough. I found a few things to help me feel better. Now I want to share those things with you and help you find and shine your brightest light again too. This podcast is a place where I help moms find their shimmer through clean eating, finding ways to make you feel more optimistic, inspired, and fulfilled, and making you laugh. Now let's turn up that dimmer and find our shimmer. In this episode, we meet up with the lovely Sylvia Pond from thesillykitchen.com. She is a woman of many talents. She is down to earth and truly one of the kindest people I've ever met. We randomly connected on Instagram, if you can believe that, because of our love of food. Interestingly, she was born in Poland and at the age of four, her parents scooped her and her two siblings up and they fled Poland in the middle of the night. Yeah, it's one of those stories. She ended up as as a refugee in Germany where she went to kindergarten. She stayed there for two years. And then eventually she and her family ended up in Canada on a sponsorship where she grew up and currently lives today. This episode is literally about her journey to find her happy place in her kitchen. Her mother was a traditional European cook, so she had all kinds of delicious food backgrounds as she was growing up. And when she went out on her own, she had to learn how to cook for herself. So she started off as a vegetarian and then ended up cooking with a variety of different foods and skills uh, now. And she learned it by watching the Food Network, reading cookbooks, and just reading different articles about cooking. So it was truly a hands-on experience. She has a very successful YouTube channel called The Silly Kitchen with Sylvia, where she posts all of her delicious recipes. She has an Instagram channel called The Silly Kitchen, and also she has a website, thesillykitchen.com, where you can actually find everything that you need. She has her YouTube and Instagram and everything there, so if you're looking for her, go to thesillykitchen.com. She also has a really cool line of merchandise, including food-scented candles that I believe were locally made, and they were locally made exclusively for her brand. And I believe she has a candle called Maple Bacon Scented Candle. (laughs) who, Who doesn't love that, right? So go check her out. She's quite wonderful, quite talented. And without further ado, here is the one, the only, and remarkable Ms. Sylvia Pond. Ontario, Canada. All right, Sylvia. So I see you out there on Instagram and your YouTube, and you're so cute. And the Philly kitchen is so cute, and I love the bread, and I love the hair, and I love your your body artwork, and of course, more importantly, I love the cooking and the photography. So I want to know your story. How did you get plugged into cooking? Obviously, I read your website, and it says, I love to eat, therefore, I learned how to cook. Are you Italian? No, I'm actually Polish. Okay. I was born in Poland, and um, it's kind of a crazy story because things were not good in the 80s um, in that country, so my parents kind of picked up and left in the middle of the night and packed the kids up, um, and it was quite a journey to get to Canada, but we did. How did you um, get here? Um, I mean, to Canada. I mean, some, some buses, some planes, some... Okay, like, I was wondering if it was a boat or a plane. <laughs> I... I I was very little. I was only four years old when we left, but we did a little bit of a, a short stint, uh, almost two years in Germany uh, because they were accepting refugees at the time. So I had a lot of addresses, um, you know, for a weekend or a week or a month, um, just kind of figuring out what we were doing. And I mean, I thought it was just all a great little vacation because I was so young. I had no idea what was going on. Um, but it was quite traumatic on my parents and it was really difficult to pick up and leave your entire family and, and not tell anybody. Um, 
And eventually we, we got sponsored over to Canada and this kind of became our home. And I've been here for most of my life. So I, I call Canada home now that like, this is where I did most of my growing up and, and becoming an adult. So I, I consider Canada home for sure. And I'm, I really love it here. Is it too personal to ask why your parents just left in the middle of the night? Because that's, that's kind of intense. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, Poland was a communist country at the time. I guess we call it socialist now, but um, it wasn't it wasn't a great place to raise a family in my parents' mind. And um, there were a lot of people fleeing Europe and a lot of people leaving and finding refuge elsewhere. Um, so I think, you know, it, it wasn't an easy decision, I assume. My parents didn't just kind of figure it out, but there was a lot of unrest. And I mean, the one story that I that always comes back to me because I'm so into food um, these days is, you know, you would get food stamps to go to the store and get your allotted amount for your family because, you know, everything was kind of rationed out that way. Um, but my parents would go to the store with their food stamps and there weren't enough things on the shelf to even bring home. Um, so it wasn't it wasn't a great place at that time to to want to raise a family and my my parents have three kids I have a brother and a sister as well so I think they they thought well let's let's go somewhere where we can give them some opportunity and a better life what order are you in in the siblings I'm the baby <laughs> spoiled little brat <laughs> wow uh, yeah so that's kind of the early years of, okay. of my life well, how did they choose Canada versus the different all countries out there? Why Canada? Well, to be honest, it wasn't the first choice from what I heard. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no disrespect. I absolutely <laughs> love that we ended up here because I wouldn't have the life that I have if it wasn't for that. But we actually had family in Australia, like some distant cousins um, and family friends. So we tried Australia first, but they were like, nope, we're not taking anybody right now in our case. We also had family in uh, Boston, so we tried to go the uh, United States way, and that didn't work out. Uh, and then um, there was another, I, I call her my aunt, but I, I don't think she's a blood aunt. I think it was like a married-in sister-brother situation somewhere. So we had someone in Canada that at that time we were able to get sponsored over and, um, you know, do the, the legal sort of um, immigrant status for a couple of years and then apply for citizenship after that. So it just kind of worked out that, that this, that route to Canada was, was the one that stuck. Now, when you say that you tried Australia and tried Boston, does that mean you actually, your family physically went to Australia, stayed there and, and to see about the paperwork or they were just doing this through the mail and through the whatever? You okay. know, the details, I, I wouldn't know. I just know the stories that my parents and I have shared together. Um, I assume, you know, there's once, once we landed in Germany and, and kind of said, you know, we need help and we gave up our, our Polish passports. And um, I think there was a lot of kind of governing bodies that would help you get to a final destination. Oh, yeah, I don't know. What for before you landed in Canada? Do you remember? I w it was only about two years in Germany. Two years, right. Okay, two years. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you end up going to school there at four? I mean, you're kind of on the cusp of school. Yeah, right? I went to older. kindergarten. They, they like, uh, right away, it was the kids go to school. My dad <laughs> went to work. Um, my mom kind of stayed home and took care of the house and, and food and things like that. Yeah. How did your parents find a place to live with nobody... Yeah, they, they arranged housing, you know, um, there, there was definitely refugee camps that we sort of squatted in for a little bit. There's little vivid memories that I have that are like, you can't really piece them together. But, you know, I remember, because um, we left in the middle of winter, I remember building snowmen outside of like a large apartment building. And there were like, people smoking and, and playing in the in the games room and stuff. And you know, some places are more memorable than others, but oh. yeah, yeah, there was a lot of moving around to, to figure it all out. So fascinating. Yeah, so could you imagine what I was eating then? I mean, you're all over. Germany, there must have been good food in Germany. 
There, there was, but I mean, when you're sort of poor with a few suitcases of stuff and you're, you know, trying to just figure it out, you're, you're eating whatever's whatever. put in front of you. So. Oh my gosh. So you yeah. started off eating whatever, and now you make YouTube videos about food, but hold I on. Know, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Weird. <laughs> and I find this, this stuff so fascinating because my mother is an immigrant from Italy. And the reason why I asked you if you came over on a boat, because my mother came over on a boat. Yeah, yeah. Back in 1952, she was two years old. And then she got naturalized when she was 13. So, you know, I'm the daughter of an immigrant. And I absolutely, you know, that's, that influenced me so much, especially with food, because coming over from Italy, I mean, obviously, Italy is one of the greatest countries in the world for food. Let's just face it. Just one of the great countries. I There's need to visit. I, I haven't been to Italy, but I definitely want to eat authentic Italian <laughs> So what languages do you speak then with all this background here? Well, I definitely still speak Polish because my parents speak, oh my gosh. you know, partly Polish and partly English to me, whatever kind of comes out. Um, I did speak German when I lived there. Mm -hmm. My parents have evidence of this. But um, once I came to Canada and started learning another language and then try, we learned French in Canada as well in school, so my brain went, no, I got no room for German anymore. And I, I actually tried to get it back in high school and there was just nothing clicking. So Polish, English, and, you know, whatever we learn, little bits of French in, in oh, four gosh. years. That's, oh, I love that. I, I studied languages in school myself, so I just, I love all that. I wish I you know, knew more languages because it is so good for your brain and it's so good for travel oh, and all that. Especially when you're young, you're such a sponge. I remember yeah. um, in high school, they had a Chinese class. So of course yeah. I tried a little Chinese and in Whoa. college, I know in college, I, um, I studied in Moscow, Russia for, for uh, just a semester. Wow. So Italian and Russian were, were my majors in college, but I, you know, I find the language is so fascinating. That's so cool. Um, I know. So let me ask you this. So growing up now, now you're in Canada, yeah. right? you're settled in Canada. Your mom is there, your dad is there, your siblings are there. What kind of food did you eat growing up in Canada based on your status as coming over as an immigrant? Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> when we first came to Canada, we were on welfare my dad was trying to learn English, same with my mom, and, you know, going to get jobs where they were able to communicate and things like that. Um, mom cooked at home all the time, like the traditional European mom. So a lot of, uh, you know, meat and potato uh, dinners, um, cabbage rolls, pierogies, like very, very traditional Polish food. Yeah, Polish. Um, all in the house. And then every once in a while, we would be introduced to something new. So my dad got a part-time job at a Chinese restaurant doing delivery. So at the end of his shift, every once in a while, he would bring home Chinese food. So I would have, you know, chicken balls and fried rice and tried egg rolls for the first time. And this was very, like, this was a treat and a very new palate for me. Um a lot of sandwiches at school for lunch, like rye bread and kielbasa. Um, Did your mother make the bread? No, no baking at home. It was, uh, okay. it was, well, I shouldn't say that. My mom bakes a lot of cakes. She, she has a sweet tooth. So she would do very simple like apple cakes and turnovers and things like that. But very traditional European food was always kind of in front of us at home. Did you have local butcher shops that your mother would go to or the local, I don't know, fishmongers or cheesemongers where you were or what, what happened there? Not on a welfare budget. Um, <laughs> you know, we would get uh, some assistance from banks and things like that to start. Um, so, you know, you get some canned goods, some macaronis and things like that. So very, very simple, very simple growing up. Not, not a lot of introductions to exciting foods. Although when I look at it now, <laughs> you know, mom's cabbage rolls and pierogies are one of the best things I could ever eat. So it's kind of funny how, you know, you, you think about how simple some of these recipes are and the ingredients are, but it's like, mom, can you make me this? Because I know it's a labor of love. <laughs> right. But it and is food always, that I love. It's food that you love. And the thing about, we get all caught up in oh my gosh, great food has to have a million ingredients. It has to have a million steps to make it great. But in essence, less is more. The fewer fresh whole ingredients you get, yeah. I believe, the better the meal. 
And yeah. you show that each and every time when you do these videos, when you when you make the food, when you made your dressing. I saw your honey, your honey vinegar dressing. And you're yeah. like, I don't measure, I just pour it in, yeah. and the vinegar has to be less than the oil. And and that's that. And oh, if by the way, if you don't have rice vinegar, use the white vinegar. Who cares? Yeah, exactly. It doesn't have to be overcomplicated. And I think there's a place for a lot of culinary spectrums because absolutely, like I have the availability now in my life to go enjoy a really nice fancy dinner once in a while. And I appreciate what these chefs do and the time and love and, and finesse that goes into putting together a meal like that. But I'm a home cook and I want to get good food on the table and I want to enjoy it. And I don't want to overcomplicate it or make it overly expensive, you know, and, and I don't like wasting food. So I want to make sure I'm using everything that I have, even if I have to use the same ingredients for two or three um, meals, you know, being able to, to do that, but make it taste different and have it exciting every week. So I love all the aspects of the culinary world. I want a fancy dinner that I have no idea how it was made. But I also love cooking at home with, you know, simple ingredients and making it great. And, you know, back in the day before restaurants, before we used to go out, you know, for functionality versus fancy time. Yeah. That's what restaurants were for. They would make the fancy food for you. So that was this, this grandiose experience. Like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have this thing, you know, that looks like a flower or a <laughs> swan. And it's food. And, and now we've got into... Um, so many things where you know people they don't enjoy it they don't have the time they don't want to they just buy the first thing off the shelf that's in a box with all the chemicals and everything like that so i want to i want to i want you to paint me a picture of how you got plugged in to being such a food fan so well, walk me through yeah well, paint me through that let me tell you confession wise i never cooked until my late 20s so I moved out on my own uh, at a younger age. I was 18 years old and I thought cooking was putting, you know, a package out of its box into the oven or opening, um, you know, a can of something um, like there was beefaroni in my life um, in my in my like teens and, and early years. I never really cooked. I didn't I didn't find a passion for it. Uh, I was a very busy teenager. So like, even though my mom cooked a lot, I never really spent that time with her in the kitchen. Um, she was just, what's that? You weren't interested. She never said, Hey, Sylvia, do this. Not really. She was such a good homemaker. Like I, I was responsible to do well at school, to have really good extracurricular activities. You know, I did karate, I did dance, I was in drama club. Um, you know, there was so many things that I was doing that my mom just took care of the rest for me. And I'm like, I wholeheartedly get that that is a spoiled situation because I didn't even know how to do laundry until I moved on my own. Like, I, I will admit it. I don't care that that's my, my mom was this beautiful homemaker that just took care of everything for us. Um, you know, so that was a learning curve too. And when, when you start living on your own and you go, how the heck do you do this like it should be easy right you just throw you some clothes the directions on the bottle and then yeah. okay so I measure and then what comes first the clothes or the soap I don't know still to this day yeah, yeah right I don't know I just turn it on and it goes um yeah so I mean like there really wasn't and then in my adult years um leading out of that I started working for a frozen food company so like prepared frozen meals that you just up in the oven or in the microwave uh, and that you would, was, you would prepare that no I would I worked for the company that did it so I I was kind of like a territory manager where it was a franchise system and I would you know go help these franchisees build their businesses in their communities under that umbrella but it was all frozen food so it was you know pre-made breaded chicken or um, you know, frozen stuffed chicken breasts or stir fries that were already made for you that you just microwave or heat up in the oven, lasagnas, like that kind of stuff. Um, so that that's what I was eating in my 20s. And at a point, that type of a diet takes a toll on you. Um, you know, because when I wasn't eating frozen food out of packages, I would, you know, go to the drive-thru or go have food at a restaurant that maybe wasn't the healthiest for you. So 
very, very quickly, um, over a few years, I started feeling pretty, ugh, um, gained weight, just felt sluggish, was very lazy, um, because I wasn't cooking real food. Um, you know, I, I don't know what I was putting in my body half the time, what those ingredients on the boxes were, right? Um, and there's, you know what, there's a, there is a time and place for these frozen meals. Like I, I understand that, you know, families are busy and sometimes uh, once in a while, it's, it's a good little substitute, but it's not something I felt comfortable eating every day anymore. I, I started to feel really gross. So um, I actually decided that I needed to make a change. And the first thing I decided was I'm going to become vegetarian. Cause that's going to help me. You know what it did, but it, it was just my path and my mindset because I thought if I can move away from the meat and potato dinner or the casseroles with all the cheese and cream and, and noodles, if I can move away from like that meat and, and, and bun situation, I would be able to think more salads, vegetables, raw ingredients that I can make into something. Um, and I kind of got in the news at that time, there was a lot starting about, you know, how um, animal farming was kind of not the greatest for, for the treatment of animals and like just some of the, some of the things I was reading and watching, I was kind of like, oh, maybe I should really be looking into where I get my food from, not just picking up whatever from the grocery store. So I ended up going on that journey for almost two years. I was vegetarian. Um, somewhere in there, I added fish back in so that I could get some extra um, omegas and proteins and things. So it was really a nutrition thing for me. Um, and then, you know, one night. One question. Yeah. When you were vegetarian, now were you making your food most of the time or were you purchasing stuff that was vegetarian? No, I started, I really started to look at nutrition and eat things that I would make. So I would go buy the raw vegetables, chop them up, saute them. Um, soups were the first thing, soups and, and chilies and things like that were the first things that I really started to make because those were so flawless and easy. You couldn't really screw them up. Mm. Although I do have some screw up stories. Uh, <laughs> of course, we all do. Yeah, all absolutely. Do. But there's a <laughs> I mean, some things did not taste good. Now, were you, how are you learning to cook vegetarian? Because that's a learning curve if you're not used to doing that. Well, I think because I hadn't been cooking at all, just cooking mm -hmm. was a learning curve for me. Okay. So I how did you learn all this stuff? I remember having the Food Network on my TV all the time. <laughs> like, and, and I wasn't into those, um, like, uh, reality TV shows. I was... Like, I want to watch the actual 30-minute cooking shows where they talk about ingredients, how to cook them, why we're using them, and then the final product. And my brain isn't the type of brain that follows instructions to the T, so it was already a creative process for me. I was like, oh, she did this, 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 and this. I don't have access to that. Maybe I'll try this. And it was a lot of trial and error and playing. And it was great. It was fun. And that's how you learn to do it. Yep. Just trial and error, watching the Food Network, and off you go. Yeah, and, and eventually, so eventually, you know, I was gifted some some cookbooks, and then okay. I, I, I actually, I love, like, having a physical cookbook, um, yeah. recipe book. So, you know, eventually, it all just kind of started progressing, where, you know, I would, um, you know, go and look up recipes using certain ingredients and I would, but it was always, I would never follow a recipe. I remember that. I was like, nope, I got this. I got to figure it out myself. Before, just a few moments ago, when you mentioned it was a creative process, I noticed that you lit up when you said it was a creative process. So tell me why did you light up when you said it was a creative process? Because there's something in there, Sylvia, that is like I, drawing I, out your, your cooking light. I mean, we can probably analyze it to the point where like, you know, I started feeling better. I started losing weight. The food I was making, you know, most of the time would turn out. It was an enjoyable experience that I had never had in the kitchen before. Um, and yeah, like I just, I loved being able to take these ingredients and turn it into something delicious. 
how did you not worry about following the recipe to a tea? Because a lot of people get stressed out like, oh my God, I don't have one teaspoon of taco seasoning. What am I going to do? I got to go to the store. It's midnight. Nothing's open. So how did you just say whatever? I'm just a bad follower of instructions. I don't know. I've always, I've always had some sort of creative soul, I guess. I just, yeah, I said, screw it. I don't, I don't want to, I like, I don't, I don't want to be in the kitchen just constantly referring and reading. This is why I don't do a lot of baking because you have to measure and follow and read for baking. And that stresses me out. <laughs> I know I have the scale. If you don't have a scale, you know, then you're really screwed. No, and I have all these like spoons and measuring cups and it's like, like how many dishes am I going to be doing after this too? Because, (laughs) you know, you have to use all these different measuring tools, different wet ingredients, different dry ingredients. No, no. I always said that baking was way too much chemistry for me. Oh yeah. I I barely passed chemistry. This is just a little side note. I took, I was in New York state. We had the state exam, right? I was failing chemistry the whole year, even with a tutor. So I walk into the chemistry final room right in the day and my teacher stands up and he says, well, I have good news for you guys. The chemistry final for the state, the answers were stolen and published in a tabloid newspaper the day before we, we took it. So I, I, I was a hallelujah because I would have failed it. So he ended up taking, you know, the average and I, and I passed with, with the passing grade. But anyway, tangent aside, let's go back to... The okay, two years of vegetarian, and then where did you roll from there? So, we have this uh big festival in Kitchener, Ontario, where I live called Oktoberfest, and they're very known for schnitzel on a bun. (laughs) And I got really hungry at Oktoberfest one night, not a lot of vegetarian options. Um, and I had a schnitzel on a bun, just a small one, and it was delicious. I had missed schnitzel so much. Um, and then I think I had three more that night. <laughs> what defines a schnitzel? So it's like a pork cutlet, um, okay. beaten down, breaded, fried, and on a bun. Oh, yeah. Come on. It's a very traditional European um, dish. Okay. Uh, so we, in Poland, we, in Poland, we call it cutlet. It's very similar. And yeah, I ended okay. up eating three more that night. And I was like, I guess I'm not vegetarian anymore. Go all in, Sylvia. I mean, I had a few schnapps and beers that night, so I think that kind of blurred my my decision-making. But after that point, I kind of said to myself, you know what, meat isn't the problem. It's, you know, it's what and how I'm consuming it. So I actually started to do a bit of like a farm tour locally. We have so much amazing agriculture here. We have amazing farms that raise animals ethically um that's good quality they eat great food um you know a lot of these farmers tell me these these animals have one bad day in their life yeah (laughs) but but that that's how i reintroduced um meat into my diet was buying local uh from farmers you know you can actually go visit these farms and see how they do stuff. I did a whole blog about it. I, I was so invested in the learning aspect of it and where all of this comes from and how I can support and, and be sustainable and be part of that, not just by eliminating meat altogether. So I have a big dip, deep freezer now with lots of great frozen meats that I have that come from my farmers. And it's it's I feel better. Um, eating that way, I feel better supporting these guys too. So it's, it's an all around good feeling. Um, and I love, I love meat. I have nothing against, um, you know, whether you choose to eat it or you choose not to eat it. I, I went through a, a process. I just like to know where it comes from and, and, you know, being able to support so directly and so locally. Yeah. I agree with you with that meat stuff. So I was on the food journey as well. And, uh, I'm a big fan of, I always call it, I'm not really a political person, but I am political with my meat because I like to support the farmers who have grass-fed cows wandering around. I like to support the farmers who have chickens wandering around the yard, eating the worms and, and the grubs. 
I like to support the farmers who have pigs just wandering around. That whole that whole cage thing is is really too much for me to go into because yeah, yeah. It, it's just not it's not it's not a good thing. But the thing is, when, when you see when you see an animal that's happy, so there's an old Native American belief that I absolutely love, and it's that when you eat an animal, you absorb the spirit of the animal how it was feeling before it passed, right before it was harvested. Yeah. And I thought, wow, that really resonates with me because, you know, you have a picture in your mind of all these chickens in a cage, right? And they're yeah. so stressed out and they can't run around and they're just in jail. And then you eat that chicken in the cage versus when you see, you know, a chicken running around feeling happy. Uh-huh. Yeah, the harvesting of the animal is, is I don't want to get into that right yeah, now. Yeah, I know. It's, it's touchy. And, and yeah. my big thing is we all have the availability to make our own personal choices. Yes, so we if do. You, if you want to, you know, eat from, you know, the grocery store and not worry yeah. about it, that's cool. That's maybe that's your fine. Body, that's what you like. If you're a vegetarian or vegan because you love animals, I wholeheartedly support that. Exactly. We have the choice and the availability to make those mm-hmm. individual choices. And I think that's cool. And we can support those choices. Yeah. Whatever, however we, we yeah. choose. So that's really fantastic, fantastic yeah. way of looking at it. I love it. Okay, so after you went to this Oktoberfest okay. and ate three schnitzels. Four schnitzels. Tell me how you rolled into this. I'm going to start making YouTube videos or did you do a blog first or did you do like, walk me through that. What happened there? I think I had this passion, like something lit up in me about food and cooking and like, it, it just sort of started to snowball and I'm a professional photographer by trade. So that's my full-time job now. Oh, by the way, gorgeous photos. I mean, Seriously, I just scroll through your feed and I could smell the food. I could taste the food. And it I, wish, so... I wish we could have like that scratch and sniff. On <laughs> <laughs> I would be so happy just getting hungry all day. But yes, I think I started working with a lot of um, restaurants and chefs and, and food like events, um, you know, obviously previously to COVID. This was years ago. Um, where we had lots of like food events and, you know, wine tours. And I ended up working at a, for a winery and doing all of their photography and some, like there was all these little jobs that started to come to me outside of the portrait world. And, and the, my photography mm-hmm. business started to kind of change into that commercial world, but with a lot of little food tidbits in there. Um, you freelance in the port- portrait world? Were you freelance first? So I, I did everything under the sun when I started my photography business. I was like, I need to, I need to make a salary out of this. If I'm going to give this a full-time go, like I did weddings, baby portraits, maternity, family, like all of it. You, entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. your own business. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Okay. So you just put yourself out there. Yeah. So like, I mean, it was, it was tough to like go, oh, I'm going to quit my full-time job with a steady paycheck and benefits Mm -hmm. and just, you know, go take pictures for a living and hope it works out. Yeah, there was some anxiety there, but you know what? I, for a good four or five years, I hit the ground running with this business. I was out there networking. I was out there shaking hands, meeting people, telling them what I do, um, you know, just marketing the hell out of myself to, to make this a viable business. Um, it was a lot of late nights and it was a lot of work, but, you know, years and years later now, like it is, it is so fulfilling. I am doing, you know, the type of projects that I'm passionate about working with other entrepreneurs, with chefs, you know, so that, that kind of morphed over the years with, you know, not doing weddings anymore, not doing those types of portraits and doing the commercial stuff. And I started to connect with, you know, people in the food industry in, in all aspects and doing photos for that. Um, so I was like, well, why am I not taking pictures of the stuff I cook? You know, and I had, I love to feed people. So, you know, I would give people some, some jars of soup or I would make pickles and I would gift them at Christmas. Um, and people are like, when are you, when are you going to have a cookbook? 
And I was like, yeah, writing down recipes, nah, not my thing. <laughs> Measuring, <laughs> nobody wants a cookbook that says add a little bit of this. <laughs> um, so I said, well, I love watching the Food Network. I love watching people teach me how to cook. I benefited from it. Why don't I YouTube this thing? Like anybody can start a YouTube channel. And like, it went from an idea to me filming in my kitchen like that. It was crazy. It just happened. When did you start YouTube? Um, I just passed my two year mark. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Congratulations. Which is crazy. I know. Like how often years? do you film? Two years. And then you have how many? 2,000 subscribers? How many videos? Yeah, I think I'm just, just over two and a half thousand subscribers on there. 5,000 on Instagram. Once a week. Once a week you do these videos and you have the blog. So you put the videos out there and then you translate them to your blog? Yeah. My gosh. How, when do you film? Well... With photography, like? primary business that comes first a lot of the time, but I like filming in batches. So, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. on a Sunday, I'll spend two or three hours in the kitchen and I'll film two or three episodes, you know, change the shirt, make it look like another day. <laughs> Tricks of the trade. Yeah, I, I know about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because, you know, that way I, I like to have, you know, maybe five or six videos in the queue so that if. I yeah. come up on a busy week where other things are a priority. I can still pop a video out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And after you do the videos, I'm always interested. How long does it take you to edit? Um, I've gotten pretty good. I use Adobe Premiere. Um, mm -hmm. Like the, the Adobe world is something I'm very comfortable with in um, the photography world. So mm -hmm. learning the video part actually didn't take me much time at all. And I did what... I hope people do with cooking channels. I YouTubed how to use Adobe Premiere. And there's there you all creators on YouTube that show you how to use it. Like YouTube is great for learning if you if you want to use it for entertainment or for that. So yeah, I literally YouTubed how to use Adobe Premiere for video editing. Took me probably two hours to kind of figure it out and play around with it. And like my videos have gotten better over the two years because I've learned a little bit mm -hmm. more about how to how to do it properly. And yeah, it just depends how long the video is and how complicated the recipe is. I will maybe spend, you know, 20 minutes editing, maybe an hour and a half. Just depends. Where do you get the ideas for, for doing your food videos? How do you, where do those come from? Do people... Uh, ask you about it or do you just kind of say oh I'm making this for myself let me just video it I think seasonally um, that will dictate a lot of what I do because right now it's comfort food season so I'm doing a lot of soups stews casseroles you know um, party foods for football Sunday uh, I love watching football on Sundays and Mondays and Thursdays if I can stay up that late um, you know so I love kind of having some of those party foods and I you know I love hosting um, friends over and stuff like that. I get inspiration from everywhere. Obviously, you know, my silly kitchen Instagram, you know, I follow and see on my feed, a lot of the things I want to see, which is more food and more recipes. So I'll see an idea and I'll go, Oh, I can make that, but maybe I'll do it this way, or maybe I'll change this, or it'll just recipes are an idea to me. They're not something I follow. So, you know, if someone's cooking with squash today, because that's in season, I'm going to go, what can I make that's different? Not just squash soup, but can I, you know, do it like mashed potatoes? Can I do it like an appetizer? What, what can I do with this stuff? I actually work with a culinary school in town too. So I get a lot of inspiration from just seeing these students learning. How do you work with the culinary school? What, that's what why I do a lot of the photography in? and help them with their branding and marketing. Yeah. Wow. So that's what I mean. Like the, the photography business really kind of merged somewhere with this love for me doing my own thing. What are your favorite things that you like to make? Oh, God. <laughs> Everything. I'm always hungry. <laughs> I'm always hungry. I'm always, I literally finish breakfast and I'm thinking about lunch or even <laughs> like I wake up and I go, what will I make for dinner tonight? 
I do too. Um, I do too. What will you I make do. for dinner tonight? What's on the menu for tonight? Um, well, I think I'm actually getting a delivery from a chef friend of mine that I'm that I did some photography for, and she made cabbage rolls yesterday. Oh, so my hope is go. actually I'm not cooking today. My hope is I'm having some like Hungarian or no, they're Romanian, Romanian cabbage rolls. So I oh think I'm off. I'm off from cooking tonight. But I made well, homemade pizzas last night, just something easy to to snack on. It was a very busy work day. So I've done a lot of um, casseroles the past week. Mm -hmm. nice. So I like I like this time of year for comfort food for sure. Soups like I have a freezer full of soups because I like oh, yeah. to back cook them so I can just Me pull too. one out. What's yeah. in your freezer? What kind of soups do you have in your freezer? So my newest love is roasted tomato and red pepper. I saw that. I saw that video. I have never made that soup before. I have eaten it at oh. restaurants. I've eaten it at other people's homes and I made it and I am obsessed. obsessed. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. so good. Roasting vegetables before making them into a soup. Oh, just an entire different flavor profile and it is you know is. I like putting a bunch of stuff in a pot I'm sure you've done this before just a bunch of stuff in a pot cover it with stock let it boil blend it and you've got a really great soup I do that all the time but man roasting those peppers brings out crazy flavors same with the garlic and the onions mm -hmm. so I have two more batches of that soup frozen I have a butternut squash a pumpkin squash Nice. Potato. Woo! Um, what else do I have? Oh, I made like a Southwest chicken. Oh, yeah. Beans and stew that's coming to, to the recipe. So I've got a batch of that. There's let a lot of this in there. Let me ask you this about the potato soup. How do you make, because I struggle with this, how do you make the potato soup that's not overly congealed? You know what I mean? Um, I've never had an issue with it. Okay, then there you go. I mean, I don't even like using a lot of dairy in my soup. Yeah, so, I don't either. Uh, yeah. Well, so the starch, I, do you soak the potatoes beforehand or? I rinse them. them. I just okay. give them a good rinse. I cut them into small pieces, lots of salt in the water. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Maybe that'll help. I have started salting my potatoes and it actually yeah. helps out. Potatoes helps out. love salt. They do. Yeah. They do. Yeah. And then, I, and then I drain it and then I use them. Yeah, um, but I let mean, me ask you this. Like, instead of adding a lot of heavy creams to some of those soups and stuff, mm -hmm. I even will do like a little bit of sour cream in a yeah. potato soup. That's really mm -hmm. nice. Yeah. Um, I often, sometimes when I want to thicken it, I'll just leave the cover off and let it reduce. Yeah, just and let then, it reduce. Yeah. And then that's enough for me. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. What, um, okay. What so I have right now. What soups? Um, you know, I made I made a stew. I made a beef stew the other day. I made oh, I made broccoli soup, which I love. I made um, an acorn squash soup the other day. I love acorn squash. Oh, mm. and I roasted it. I roasted it before, so I actually roasted it last night. It's there. So it's getting ready for the soup, right? Okay. Oh my gosh! Wait, you know the other thing that I made too that was so yummy was spinach soup. And typically, I'll do a base of three vegetables. I will put in my chopper celery, carrots, and an onion. Yep. And then I'll saute that first because, you know, my kids, they don't eat vegetables, so that's a way for me to sneak it in. <laughs> sneak so, it in. <laughs> I do a base of that. And then I pour in, I, I put in, you know, this overwhelmingly large size bag of spinach because, of course, as you know, yeah, when you cook it, like this down. goes down to this, right? So I just put it all in there, six cups of broth, and I just let it... I don't know, boil for like 10 minutes, not yeah. a big deal. And, and then I'll put it in the blender, right? But then here's the best part. I was part. wondering if you part. blended it, okay. Oh yeah, yeah, because my daughter, she doesn't like chunky soup, so I'll just put the smooth yeah. in there. But this is the best part. So after it's done, you put it in a bowl, but then you sprinkle feta cheese on top. It tastes like a spanakopita without the dough. I'm you serious. You know how I feel about cheese. Anything yes. cheese is- Try that, try that. Love it. I'm going to try spinach soup. I bet the color is beautiful. Oh my gosh. And you know what? I'm not talking about it so that I can plug myself, but I did make a video about it. <laughs> so I'm just going to tell you that. I'm going to look up your recipe. So good. Exactly what you've done. And I'm going to try it. Oh my God. It was so good. I'll probably add Parmesan to it. Oh yeah. Do that. Whatever. I mean, of course you're going to do your Sylvia thing to yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to change one ingredient and call it the Sylvia. Right. <laughs> 
There you go. No, I'm not. I'm not about stealing ideas, but I definitely love trying other creators' recipes. Right? That you know what? I've never made spinach soup. Sylvia, there's no stealing because I mean, ingredients you buy them from the store. So what? What? What do I care if you? Because <laughs> chances are, because let me tell you something. My grandmother makes a Sunday sauce. My mother makes a Sunday sauce, and I make a Sunday sauce, and it's all different. It's all different. Yep. Yeah. So you, you make the spinach soup with the ingredients that I use or, or whatever, and I guarantee it'll taste a little bit different because yeah. you made it. Yeah. So I agree. Yeah. I agree. You I do, do want to try it though. I'm intrigued. I love soup. I love oh spinach. Oh my gosh. I know. Spinach is good. I have, um, I wanted to ask you, I have a lot of moms coming to me and they say, you know, who work or stay-at-homes or, or full-time jobs, it doesn't matter. And they say, what can I make that's healthy that's going to get me from, you know, stove to table in 30 minutes? Yeah. Do, you, do you have like your top three things that you can tell the moms, you know, what they can do to have a healthy meal in 30 minutes? What's your top three? I, I think some of the easiest things are one-pot meals. Mm -hmm. So um, I do a really delicious um, turkey stew. And if you use ground turkey, that cooks up in like eight minutes. And then mm -hmm. you just start layering all your other ingredients in. And when you make a stew like that, it lasts for a couple days. So you can make that last or freeze it so that you don't have to eat it again that week and have something new. And then you can pull it out of the freezer. I also think things like stir fries, load it up with all the vegetables that you love, add your favorite protein, some soy sauce, some garlic sauce, teriyaki, whatever you like, and away you go. One pot meals are usually 30 minutes or less. Do you have links to that turkey, turkey stew on your- I have it on, on the uh, Kitchen website for sure. And then the video okay. um, on YouTube. So absolutely. And how about the stir fry? I don't think I've actually even put a stir fry on uh, my recipe catalog I, I feel like you just throw vegetables together actually I do have a beef and broccoli one that I really like but it's very you know um minimal ingredients right so okay a stir fry you really just chop up all your favorite vegetables start cooking with your aromatics and your proteins and then layer in I love it yeah quick quick healthy Easy, quick delicious nice. healthy I'm a big what? like prepper of um, vegetables too. So I typically do what a do you do? on the weekend and I mm -hmm. clean and kind of pre-chop a lot of my vegetables so that if I want to have a salad right now, I can just pull out some lettuce. Maybe I need to cut my vegetables a little extra, but they're already washed already like pitted out. If there's like, you know, peppers, I like to kind of have those in there. My celery's all clean and all the leaves are taken off. I might mm -hmm. do a couple extra little chops and I have a salad. I love it. How do you store your lettuce and your celery? Because there's different ways I've heard. Um, so celery is literally a Ziploc bag after because I love celery. So I have an abundance of it. <laughs> um, lettuce, it depends on the lettuce. So if I'm doing romaine, I'll just take each of the romaine leaves off, wash it. And then in a Ziploc bag with a paper towel. Okay. I don't have a salad spinner to take all the extra moisture off. I, I have a love-hate relationship with that thing. So I, got, I had one and I got rid of it. Um, but I also have these really cool tubs. Um, I was gifted these like, uh, they're kind of like Tupperware. Maybe Tupperware is the brand. I'd have to check. But they're specific for vegetables and they, they kind of have the right amount of air depending what you put in them. So mm -hmm. I will like wash my um, leafy greens and put them in there with a, with a paper towel and just kind of have it open or close to how it needs to be. And they last like a week. At least wow. I, don't know, I don't get, I, <laughs> I usually eat it before it's, you know, yeah. close to being gone. So I'm not a big food waster. So I try to try to consume. Oh, I wanted to ask you about that too. Oh, <laughs> but hold on. So many things, so many, so things. many things. Uh, so many things, but we don't have so much time. Uh, we're going to wrap it up in a few minutes, but sure. um, just, just a few more things. So how do you store your herbs, fresh herbs? What do you do with those? Um, in the spring to fall months, it's great because I have a little herb garden on my balcony. Like I live in a condo, so I don't have a full garden, but I do have like a nice long um, 
potted thingy mabobber that hangs over my my uh, balcony. So I will plant usually like some good parsley, basil. I might think of something else to put in there. The chives usually work really well in that small kind of area. But my mom and dad, and I know I've put this on the YouTubes and Instagrams, my parents have a really great garden set up. So I drive 12 minutes over and I get whatever I need out of the garden during those months. Pick your own. It's a pick your own. And literally like my mom did this and, and I don't know if like it's, it's, a, it's the way to do herbs or whatever, but like she'll just put them in a little cup of cold water and like let them sit on her counter for a couple days and they're fine. And they're fine. Yeah. Yeah. I did that with mint and with basil this year and, and it was okay. Perfect. Yeah. I know a lot, if you leave them in the refrigerator, just in the plastic bag that they come in, they usually get a little bit wilted and gross after a while. Yeah. Slam. Yeah. yeah. Really slammy, really quick. Let me ask you, what are three of your favorite cookbooks? Ooh. Oh, okay. Well, I did get a really good Christmas cookbook, uh, Jamie Oliver book. Uh, from a friend of mine, which has some really great recipes. Um, there is another one. Oh, okay. This is silly. I have a Betty Crocker. Yeah. But I have a Betty Crocker cookbook that I stole from my sister like 15 years ago, maybe 20 years ago before I was even into cooking. I was just like, I want this. You can't go wrong with Betty, Sylvia. I just took it. But there are some really great inspirational ideas in there, especially when I was first starting, like really basic outlines of like how to boil pasta to the right, you know, the right texture and the right density. And, um, you know, super like classic, simple, easy ideas in, in my Betty Crocker. So I do pull that out every once in a while. <laughs> I love that. I love it. Betty, I mean, she's a staple. How can you uh, I, uh, yeah, it's a funny one, but I don't care. I'll own it. Um, and then right. I don't know if you know who Lynn Crawford is. Mm -hmm. um, she's a Canadian uh, chef. And I got to meet her a couple years ago. So I actually have an autographed book by her. And the photography in this cookbook is stunning. Like, it is just so beautiful. And if I ever want to do a cookbook, I want it to look like that. It's just full pages of photos beside a recipe. Oh. Like I think every recipe should have a photo. Like I'm not yeah. into recipes that I can't see. <laughs> right. Um, but oh, the Lynn Crawford book is beautiful. It's really, really beautiful. How did you meet her? Um, just in a, she was doing a cooking event here in town. Okay. Yeah. So of course I'm like, hmm, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> Does she do her own photography? Uh, I, think, like you do? I think there there is a photographer credited in the book. Okay, oh, yeah, that's great. All right, those are those are your top three. I love. I mean, those are the three I can think of right now. I'm sure that's there's okay. plenty of other ones because I mean, if Just I ever if I ever go to a bookstore and I go to the to the section of cookbooks, I'm like, I could buy all of these. Like, right. there's so many beautiful cookbooks out there and recipes. I know. Oh, and there's something about flipping through it. I literally will sit on the couch and just grab one of my cookbooks and just flip through it and just read Me too. I love that. Thank God I'm not the only one that does. No, is this so relaxing? Yeah, yeah. It's just, oh, it's therapy. It's beautiful. I love it. I love is. And then you get ideas and you're like, oh, well, okay, let me try this. Or let me make a video about this. Let me post about this. Oh, maybe this is a pain point for one of my people. Let me set, let me explain how this can, you know, whatever pain point. Yeah, it's totally okay. inspirational. It's totally yes. inspirational. I love it. Yes. Oh my gosh, this is so great. Um, yeah, this is Thank mm -hmm. you for asking me to do this. I love, oh my like, gosh. I love talking about food. <laughs> I know, I know. All right, so uh, talk to us about, you have this cool apparel now. <laughs> what is going on with that? I'm just trying to build my empire, you know? <laughs> I saw your, your pose in the windowsill with your sweatshirt. It was a it rainy was very, day, and I was like, I need a sweater. <laughs> it was very chic. 
Thank you. Oh, that's I love it. Did I you know. create the design or what do you have? T-shirts, sweatshirts, you have a candle that's maple bacon. Oh, I mean, that's yeah. perfect. So the, perfect. First, the first thing I did was the candle and it was actually, a, again, photography meets silly kitchen. It was a candle company locally that makes these. I did a branding photo shoot for them. And of course I'm smelling all these candles and I'm like, oh, oh. We do you guys ever do like partnerships and like collaborations? I was like, I could see like a bacon, sweet bacon, candied bacon, like something around that. And it stuck to them when I said that during the photo shoot. And they emailed me, I think like a month or two later, hey Sylvia, I think we have a scent that really matches what you were thinking with that sweet bacon. We we're calling it maple bacon. Can we can we get your opinion on what you think? I got the sample and I was like, done. Let's make <laughs> seven of these. I don't know. I, we, I did like we did a big batch order of them. And I didn't even have my website up yet. I didn't have a way to sell these. So it was literally Instagram and word of mouth and just like locally selling them to people. And then I was like, well, this is cool. I can make a couple bucks, make some great connections. I'm like, I should be wearing some logoed stuff on my show. Like I should look the look, right? I mean, yeah. this is getting, this is getting going. This is something I want to keep doing. And, and, you know, it is making money. So why not? I registered as a business. And again, I love working with local people. So, you know, I had a connection to a local printer um, who also did apparel. And I was like, well, we need something cool. I don't want to just have the Silly Kitchen logo. That's going to be cool on an apron. That's awesome. I like that. Yeah, I love and then the, apron. Again, the apron was cool. The, the little the red. Yeah, the server apron, the, just the waist. Oh, the server apron? So cute. Yeah. <laughs> that is cute. I love all, I, I mean, I love all the apparel because I wear it and I like it. I'm not going to sell something I don't like or I'm not going to promote something I, I don't believe in or don't like. So I wanted it to be authentically very me and something I would wear. Mm -hmm. And again, another client of mine, um, Jeff, who makes his own hot sauce, who hired me to do some photography for him um, probably a year or two ago now. Um, and we had still stayed in contact and in touch. And we, you know, try to support each other as small businesses. And I knew he had a graphic design background. And I said, hey, do you think you could help me come up with this idea that I have in my head that I don't know how to put to paper? Like, that's not my, my forte. I know what I want. I know I want it to be something about the camera eats first because that's how it goes in my life. Until I get the picture right, I don't get to eat. <laughs> so, so I had this, like, I kept finding, like, images online that I kind of wanted to pull from. So just, like, a, a camera that looked like the outline of my camera. And then, like, a big smiley face and, like, big googly eyes. And maybe we could try to get my logo in there somewhere to not make it look weird. And we went through, I think, probably about 15 drafts just to get it right. The original logo had eyes on it, and it just looked weird. <laughs> I was like, I thought I wanted eyeballs on it, but it just, like, first it just didn't look like me, and we just took the eyes out and made the mouth way bigger and this drooly tongue, and it all came together. Like, he just took what I had in my head and kind of put it into this beautiful logo. So thank you, Jeff, Island Sun. Um, he, he created that for me, and I absolutely love it. The camera eats first, Sylvia. Yeah. That it is sure so does. cute. That is really <laughs> like clever. Right over the Let's, oh, yeah, <laughs> of course, of course. Oh, my gosh. This has been so fantastic. You're dazzling. You're, this is so much fun. Thank well, you. Well, I love your thank energy. You. And I think just, you know, you and I connected on Instagram randomly. We did. Because of our you. love for food. And yes. I thought some of your videos were just hilarious. I was so thank entertained. You. Um, just you. with your energy, and, and I definitely gravitate to that positive kind of fun silly. vibe. We're both silly. <laughs> where, where can people find you? Okay, so the sillykitchen.com is mm -hmm. pretty much the hub for everything because I have everything linked from there. So you can find my YouTube videos right in the recipe links. You can find my store. I have an Instagram linked right there. 
Um, it's the Philly Kitchen with Sylvia on YouTube. I don't know why I added the with Sylvia, but I just left it there. And then the Silly Kitchen for Instagram as well. So good. Thank you I'm so much. <laughs> I know, right? I need second breakfast. <laughs>